Oh, the left hand flush. It's time. Live. Oh, my goodness. In the entertainment capital of the world. Bring your lunch. It's the T.C. Martin Show. With a flex of the muscles. Diagnosis. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Prognosis. So he does a lot of things out on the floor, including dunk. Osmosis. Wow, he could really bounce off the floor. It's the doctor. <laughs> Approaching that weekend, huh? Thunderous Thursday. One day. One hum- day. Not hump day. One day. One day? Are you counting it down? Yes. You got a date or something? Why are you counting it down? Oh, I Why are you a, excited? I have a date Saturday night. You don't have any dates, and you don't get any days off. According to you, you're at work seven days a week. I'm taking a day off Saturday. Or six and a half days a week. Six and a half. Okay. There you go. That means you want to come out to dinner with me? I'll be busy. Because <laughs> you have a date. I have a date. Really? Yeah. With Mrs. Numbchuck? With with a guest today. With a guest? Yeah. One of our guests? I'm going I'm going out with Curtis today. Or Saturday. You going you're going with Curtis. No, I'm going CT. What are you talking about? You lost me. I'm going to the ladies game Saturday. Yeah. What is that gonna do with Curtis? You mean Lindy? Lindy. But I, I said it was one of our guests, and I was trying. Oh, to th- whatever. I was trying to throw you off by saying, Kurt. "Yeah, you threw me off." All right, jeez, I don't know where you're going with any of that stuff. All right, there you go. Well, speaking of our guest today, uh, we got UNLV guest coming your way today because both the Lady Rebels and the men's team got Mojo going right now. So Lindy LaRock will join us today. Look forward to talking with her next hour, the head coach of the UNLV Lady Rebels, who won again last night. Had a little bit of a scare in last night's game against Boise State. So at two of the last three games, last two home games, they've had some scares. But they withstood that, and they got the victory last night over Boise State. So congratulations to the Lady Rebels. Lindy LaRock will join us. Surely to be the Mountain West Conference Coach of the Year again. No question about it. They are 15 and 1 in the Mountain West, 25 and 2 overall. They win last night 63 to 57. So we will talk to Lindy regarding that. Curtis Terry will join us as we talk about the men's side as the Runner Rebels have won eight of the last nine. Kevin Kruger joined us yesterday. So always good talking to, to KK. Today we're going to talk to CT. Curtis Terry. The former Rebel, the uh, last time the Rebels made a deep run into the NCAA tournament was that team that Curtis was on along with Kevin Kruger, playing for Long Kruger back in the day. All right. So, uh, but going back with the 2008 season. So, always good stuff there. So, we'll talk about uh, the Rebels. Plus, we got the college basketball that we're going to hit on tonight. Uh, big game. We talked about it yesterday with the seven footer, Big Bill Cartwright. Gonzaga USF tonight. Huge game with tournament implications for both teams. And I'm sick and tired of hearing people saying that Gonzaga is on this tournament bubble. They're not on the tournament bubble, all right? Gonzaga is going to the tournament. And now people are, and the narrative can change. Like, well, if they beat USF tonight, then they play St. Mary's. And it cracks me up because I'm listening to national shows and they're sitting there talking about Gonzaga being a bubble team. Well, they could... Gonzaga put, can put a squash to all that with a victory tonight at San Francisco. And by the way, that game is at the Chase Center tonight. We're home of the Warriors. So the big seven-footer was telling me earlier today, they're definitely going to have at least 10, 11, 12,000 there tonight. Will he get his normal area-ish? <laughs> you mean his baseline seat? His Yeah. Yeah. Good question. We'll have to find out. ESPN2 tonight, 8 o'clock. Make sure you check it out. Over, under of him... On camera. Oh, four and a half. Well, maybe three and a half. It is ESPN. I'm going to go two. You're going to go two, two and two. a half. Yeah. Yeah. They usually do a, a, a good little tribute and, you know, they'll show, they usually show his, you know, banner and name up. Yeah. You know, when they're playing at the old War Memorial gym there in the campus of USF, which is not called War Memorial anymore because we can't say that. It's a sponsor now. Isn't yeah. It? It's a sponsor. Yeah. yeah. BS. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, that's the game of the night tonight. So Gonzaga at USF. But for people to talk about the Gonzaga is on the bubble, 
No. Gonzaga's going to the tournament unless they have a total collapse. And then saying, well, in order for Gonzaga to make the tournament, they're going to have to win the WCC tournament. Who do you think the favorite is to win the WCC tournament again this year? Here at the Orleans next week. Who's the favorite? It's Gonzaga. Yes, St. Mary's beat Gonzaga 74-72. That was a great win by St. Mary's. But as we reeled off the victories yesterday, what, Gonzaga hasn't lost a game since then. So it'll be interesting because USF is much better this year. That When they played each other, that went down to the wire. So we'll we'll dive into that today as well. All right, so another thing that I want to touch on here today. And this is a story that's uh, kind of bothered me a little bit, but we're going to get into it. But before I get into it, it ties in perfectly the reason why I'm bringing this up because of the breaking news that we have just come down today. As predicted by yours truly, Caitlin Clark has made an announcement. She is foregoing her next year, where she has another year of eligibility at Iowa, to enter the WNBA draft. So Caitlin Clark will be in the WNBA draft, more than likely be the number one overall pick for the Indiana Fever. Indiana holds the number one pick in April. So Caitlin Clark made it official today. I think it's pretty interesting that she announced that today, that she is entering the WNBA draft. Still regular season. Did not wait until they got into the postseason, at least the conference tournament, or the NCAA tournament. Because most players will announce this after their season is complete. But today, Caitlin Clark announced that she is going into the WNBA, which I have said all along that she was going to do, uh, going against a lot of other people who are thinking that, oh, no, she's going to return because she's got that NIL deal and she can make so much more money in college. Okay, and that's nonsense. All right, Caitlin Clark is a professional, right? She... Do you know what her NIL money is this year? A lot of people don't know the exact number. No, I don't know the money. All right. So you want to take a guess? Because people are spitting out certain numbers out there. They go, well, you know, she makes so much money and she can't make this money because she's going to be on a rookie contract in the WNBA. That's very true. All right. All right. She's going to be making about $70,000 a year. However, she is going to be getting other endorsement deals. She can actually carry over endorsement deals from college to the WNBA. How many NID, how many NIL deals does she have at the moment? She has four NIL deals right now. All right. And I'll I, go, s- go ahead. 45, 40, 45, 45K. And oh, I know oh, I'm way off. Oh, oh, you, you, you are way off. Okay. But again, so Hunter Dickinson is, is making like a million dollars yeah. over at Kansas. Okay, he left Michigan, go to Kansas. You have some players that are making a little bit over a million, close to $2 million, right? All right. I've heard some absurd numbers that people think that Caitlin Clark is making, you know, this year at Iowa. No, she has $910,000 in NIL deals, which is very, very good for a 21 year old. Very, very good. Well, and that's why I was going, going low. I was like, right. it's not, you know, it can't be up there. No, but there are people out there that have been saying, well, she could make, you know, so much more money in I at Iowa State another year. But here's the deal. Okay, she's already broken Kelsey Plum's record. And there's she's a competitor. She's gonna want to test her skills at the next level. And if she has a great career, she'll have that opportunity to make a lot more money, not only with just her, you know, guaranteed contract, you know, down the road, but with other endorsement deals as well. But like one of her deals is now with State Farm because you've seen her on the State Farm commercials, right? Well, that can carry over to the WNBA. So again, I always thought it was kind of ludicrous people thinking, oh, she's going to come back just for the money. She's not coming back for the money because she can make the money, even though her salary, it will not be that much. Again, it's better than what it's ever been for WNBA rookies. Yeah, she'll make her $70,000 a year as a rookie, and she'll also have endorsement deals as well, too. But she's leaving Iowa. She announced it today, which to me, there there is no surprise, no doubt, she is coming out. So now, in 
WNBA terms. Yeah. If she would have stayed, do you think teams would have purposely tanked for her? No, no. I mean, is no. she, I know she's good. Yeah. Is she that good to where they would have done that? And that's the thing. Okay. People are all already just thinking that she's going to be. No, I'm not saying, yeah. And the thing about it is, she was good in college. Right. She, just like every, just like every person who comes to the, to the WNBA who is a first or a second round pick. Cause remember, you're only drafting 24, 12 in the first round, 12 in the second round. Everybody has great credentials. It's the toughest roster to make in all of sports because there's only 144 spots on these rosters. So she's going to struggle year one. There's no question. All right. Kelsey Plum struggled the first couple years. Sabrina Inescu struggled for the first two years. They don't start rolling until, you know, maybe year three, unless your name is Asia Wilson. Right. I mean, Asia was fantastic, but she got with the right team, the right organization, the right coach. I'm sure she will have a good career, but to anoint her that she is going to be an all-star immediately or she's going to be an MVP candidate. No, that's, that's ludicrous to think. Okay. Cause the competition is fierce in the WNBA and it takes time to adjust. It really does. Just like every sport. TC product prediction for Caitlin Clark, all-star in year. Um, two to three. Okay, I was gonna say like four. Yeah, probably. No, she probably. You know, especially if we we get down to that situation where they want everyone to ha- be represented. I mean, she would be the Indiana Fever. Yeah, you know, representative. So, um, we'll see what kind of year she has. We'll see. We'll see. All right, but anyway, so that's the news today that Caitlin Clark has decided to enter the WNBA draft, which. Is great and we fully expect it. Okay. But this is what's getting me. All right. I'm really tired of this countdown with Caitlin Clark. I was, it was bothering me going after KP's record. You know, KP had 3,527 points in the countdown and she needs a hundred. She needs 47 more. Okay. Well, she got it a couple weeks ago. Right. But now we are on to Pete Maravich. This is where I have a major problem, okay? When you start comparing men to women, women to men in these records, I don't like it, okay? Just keep it right where it's at, okay? Caitlin Clark is holds the NCAA scoring record, and she surpassed Kelsey Plum at 3,527 points, all right? But now you got to bring Pistol Pete into this. Okay, one of the greats. And this is such an unfair comparison for so many reasons. All right. The men's game, the women's game, keep it separate. Just keep it separate. But that's not really where I'm going with this. Okay. To a certain degree, that bothers me, but I'm tired of people bringing Pete into this. And oh, she's going to break Pete. Because you could break this down so many different ways that it's not even comparable. But here's my thing. You know who the greatest women's basketball player of all time is is at the collegiate level? It's Lynette Woodard. Lynette Woodard played for the University of Kansas. She was a phenom. She was Caitlin Clark a hundred times over. Lynette Woodard scored 3,649 points. We missed something here? Did you hear how many points that she has? 3,640. She's number one. She's number one. Not Caitlin Clark, but nobody is talking about Lynette Woodard. Do you know why? Because, do you know why? Was she a D2? Or technically? University of Kansas. Oh, friend. no, it wasn't. Yeah. Rock chalk, baby. But you're, you're going, you're, you're veering in the right direction. Do you know why? No. NCAA records were not counted for women in those days. Oh, We're talking the 1970s. Lynette Woodard played at Kansas from 77 to 1980, and they were not governed by the NCAA. They were governed by another organization because the NCAA didn't embrace women's sports the way they do. This is sad, but this is the late 70s. 
And therefore, she has the record, but it's under some obscure AIW, whatever it is, right? I don't even know what it is. I know, it's, it's insane. It's a bunch of alphabets. But the NCA did not sanction those scoring records back then. That's why we heard Kelsey Plum. That's why we've heard Caitlin Clark. Now, obviously, with the men, Pistol Pete played before that. All right? Pistol Pete played in the late 60s, early 70s. All right? At LSU and then great NBA career. Right? But they want to say, okay, now she's 18 points away from breaking Pete Maravich's record. Okay? That's insane. So infuriating to me that we are not talking about breaking Lynette Woodard's record, which she hasn't done yet. That's the greatest score. And for them to, to not count that, or e even people, not even to bring it up, that's some shoddy journalism right there. All right. You got thoughts on this? Hey, uh, fire away. 702-221-7283. We'll do this segment on that. But that's just really been kind of eating at me, all of this hype, and enough already. Just know your history, know what it's all about, know where the true record stands and what you're shooting for. But, and it's great. You know, Kelsey Plum, we love her. 35, 27. Sure. I, I wish Caitlin Clark didn't break it. KP, she's great. She, you know, uh, said congratulations to Caitlin Clark as she should. Records are meant to be broken. We get all that. But someone's got to start talking about Lynette Woodard. That's what I'm saying. Let's go to the phones. Karen, what's going on? Hey, TC. This is actually what I wanted to call you about. Um, yeah, I have to say I was one who thought she might stay, but I didn't realize her sponsorships would carry over. So if that's the case, then what? there's no reason to stay. But my big problem with all this, and I agree with you on the Lynette Woodard thing, it's like they're acting like she never played because – the NCAA did not recognize women's sports because they were so far behind, which is my point. And I don't care if it's man versus woman. In fact, I think the three-point shootout thing this year was one of the greatest things ever. I thought it was entertaining. I don't think it matters uh, whether you're male or female. If you can put a ball through a hoop, count the records. I understand, you know, there are those that say, well, the three-point line is closer, all that stuff. But my point in all this is you're not comparing equal things. Um, there's many, many references out there. And I'm not just talking about the three-point shot because someone actually did chart Pistol Pete's uh, games and said if the three-point um, shot was in, which it didn't come in until, what, 86, I believe, if it was in, he would average 12 more points a game. So that alone, you would have to take, she's made like 499 in her career. You'd have to take 500 points away from her right there, okay? But my point is that nobody talks about is back when Pete played, and he was one of the greatest offensive guys out there. I mean, he created offense. And, yes, he got a lot of playing time. He played for his dad, all that. So does she. She never comes out of a game. The thing they're not talking about is back then – freshmen were not allowed to play varsity ball. Correct. So he is comparing three years to her four years. Add in 741 points he scored as a freshman, and I know he would have scored more if he played on the varsity because, of you know, like I said, his dad would have played him. They would have set the offense up around him a little bit. He was a master. And they said as a freshman he was a master. So as far as I'm concerned, She's technically 1,200 points behind him because she's got 500 for threes, and they do nothing but set her up for freeze. And please, don't get me wrong. I am all for women's sports. I don't want to tell my age, but when I played, a lot of colleges didn't even have women's sports full like they do now. There were very select colleges that had basketball, but you didn't have all the softball and soccer and everything we have today. So I am 100% for women's sports. But I don't like it when people compare records that aren't equal. You know, we joke about maybe it needs an asterisk. Like, they always joked with um, Roger Maris. It wasn't equal. You can't say he broke Babe Ruth's record because he didn't do it in the same number of games. 
Well, in this case, you're not comparing same to same. He has 741 points as a freshman that are not even on his record. And he also has a whole bunch of shots that would have been three-pointers had they counted it back then as a three. So you just can't compare this. Give her the record. Give her the women's record, although, like you said, it's not even a true record there. I don't want to take anything away from her, but don't say she is the all-time scoring leader. You have to say the modern-day all-time scoring leader, just like they do with baseball, the modern era, the modern era. She is, and, and you know, she, she legitimately broke Plum's record because they played under the same game, the same situation, the same whatever. So don't, don't, you got to qualify this somehow because no one, male or female, will ever play the game like Pistol Pete did. No, I, I agree with you. And the thing about it is, too, let's, let's remember, okay, you mentioned no three-point line uh, in the game back in those days when Maravich played, but also a lot fewer games. Let's remember that as well, too. I mean, you know, in college basketball, back in, in those days, you were playing between 25 and maybe 28, 29 games max, and that was it. That's if you, you, you got to the tournament. But now you're looking at regular college seasons that you're playing 30 games before you even get to your conference tournaments so yeah, it, yeah. It, it's it's totally different and, totally totally different and when you look at the again the Lynette Woodard thing now as it stands now yeah she just crossed over Lynette Woodard just just passed her by by a point where it's at right now but again different times different you know uh the shot clock you know what uh you know there was no there was no shot clock back in those days men's or women's as well too so again yes should there be an asterisk? Maybe, but just don't cross men into the women as far as records and this and that, because they're, they're not even comparable at all. Well, I personally think by today's standard, you can. I think you can have an Inescu go up against Steph. Well, yeah. You can do this. But that's an but exhibition. Remember, think- you know, it's an exhibition and, and it's a great talking point and you can have that. But when you're talking about, you know, record books and that sort of thing, I mean, she's going to go down as college basketball's all time leading scorer, women's, you know, college basketball leading scorer. When you get a, a guy or a, a man that comes up, you know, for that, they're not going to say that she broke Kate, uh, he broke Caitlin Clark's record. And for, and for the record, yeah. you're probably never going to see a man do it. Because they're not staying in school that long, for the most part. You know what I mean? Exactly. So you're not even going to see that. Exactly. But, yeah. And I do think when you have a differential in the three-point line, then you can't compare that. If you're going like the exhibition thing where the three-point line was the three-point line, then you can compare those. And if everything is equal, you can compare them. I don't think it's a men's versus women's thing. I think it's more of a not equal playing field thing, if you, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, I, I think that if everything were equal, it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. But if they're not equal, then Correct. you can't say somebody holds a record over somebody else. Right. No. Well, Great just want to throw in my two cents. And, again, I think women's sports are awesome, but I think they're trying to make this more exciting than it is. All right. Great points. Karen, appreciate the phone call. Thanks for listening. Well, yeah, have a great day. All right, there it is. Um, the AIWA, okay, that was what the ba- the college sports were governed under back in those days where Lynette Woodard, when she was at Kansas, going back into the 70s, that was the Association for Intercollegiate Athletics for Women. And it wasn't until Title IX and everything else much later where the NCA started governing women's sports. And that's a whole another conversation by itself. But uh, yeah, interesting stuff. I don't know. Do you, do you believe we should be talking about Pistol Pete Maravich in the same sentence as Caitlin Clark? No. No. Nope. Right? Yep. Plain and simple. All right. Women's records, women's sports by itself, men's sports, men's records by themselves. Plain and simple. All right, so we'll continue to, to keep an eye on that. But again, the, the news you know coming out today that uh, Caitlin Clark has declared for the WNBA draft. Uh, speaking of basketball, last night, LeBron James put on a show 
maybe one of the few times that I give LeBron James some credit. We'll give him some love here today. Lakers defeated the Clippers last night, 116 to 112. Uh, LeBron James scored 19 points in the fourth quarter. He made seven of 12 shots, five of eight beyond the three point arc, outscored the Clippers by himself in the fourth quarter last night, 19 to 16. And overall, the Lakers outscored the Clips 39 to 16. Now, a lot of people are talking about this game last night, and I guess you could be on either side of the fence here. I had talked to some people, former NBA players, that were saying, why should I be excited about this? Because at this point in time right now, the NBA is like the country club league. And I kind of like that. <laughs> it's like you take it easy, you decide when you're going to play, when you're not going to play, and then all of a sudden the fourth quarter, oh, it's showtime, and LeBron James goes off and scores 17 points in the fourth quarter. Clippers blew a 21-point lead last night. 21-point lead. And they end up losing the game to the Lakers, 160-112. And today it's all about LeBron James. Hey, LeBron outscored the Clippers on his own in the fourth quarter. Hey, I'm not going to take anything away from him, okay? He's a great player. There's no question. One of the greatest of all time, no doubt, okay? Not the greatest of all time, not even close. But, yeah, no question. One of the greats. And he willed his team to a victory last night and put on a great scoring display, just like we've seen other guys do that back in the day. Talking about Pete Maravich, Steph Curry. Uh, we've, we've seen him go on runs like this. Clay Thompson as well, too. But yeah, LeBron James, who opted not to play in the very first game after the All Star break because he wanted to rest a little bit more. Well, he decided he didn't want to rest anymore last night. But bigger picture here is like, can the Lakers be a threat in the playoffs? They're sitting in the ninth seed right now. Now, the Warriors were in the 13th seed going back a few weeks ago, and they went on this you know great run where they won eight out of nine games and starting to play some better basketball. But both the Lakers and the Warriors are on the outside looking in right now, at least of the top eight seeds. And now they're battling for a play-in berth you know, from seeds 10 through 13. So they got to fight their way in those, like, you know, the one game playoffs situation to get into the, the big dance here, the top eight, but you know, Lakers win last night. Uh, let's see a little bit more of this, see a little bit more of this from LeBron James, see a little bit more of this uh, from the Lakers, see what they could do. And personally, I don't care. I don't need to see the Lakers. I I'm, I'm tired of watching that brand of basketball looking at that franchise struggle, Anthony Davis, you know, is he going to be playing? Is he injured? Is he not? Is he going to show up? And for the most part, Anthony Davis has played, played hard. All right. You got LeBron James. You got some other question marks on that team, but no big picture. Yeah. They are struggling this year. They are really struggling this year for a team that, uh, you know, won a title a few years ago, going back to the, to the COVID year. And last year, outlasted the Warriors and got by the Warriors in the Western Conference uh, semifinals. So we'll see how this all plays out, see what happens uh, with the Lakers, what happens with the Warriors, and we are getting into crunch time into the NBA season. All right, we come back. We will turn our attention uh, to college basketball on the men's side as the UNLV running Rebels get ready to take on San Jose State on Saturday. They've got three more games left before the conference tournament to be held here at the Thomas and Mack Center like it always is. And uh, they've got San Diego State on deck next Tuesday, and then they'll close the show, the regular season, in Reno the following Saturday. And we'll talk to Curtis Terry, one of the uh, former run Rebels and does a fantastic job on the radio side. We'll get his take on the current UNLV run. We got that and a whole lot more coming your way here on this Thunderous Thursday. Now, now, more from your favorite sports radio physician. That boy's good. The Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, back at the Westgate, Las Vegas tomorrow. That's right, our Friday home. Come on by, see the show live 2 to 4 p.m. Looking forward to that. We talk plenty more of college basketball, the NBA, NHL, and a whole lot more. And don't forget, right around the corner, yes, it is Hoop Central. 
That's right. Your spot to be March the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. Opening rounds of the NCAA tournament. Get your tickets and watch all the games live inside the International Theater. Starting at 25 bucks. Come on in. 9 o'clock in the morning. See all the games in the 4K video wall in the International Theater at the Westgate Las Vegas. No better place to be. Check it all out. And yes, don't need to tilt your head very much. Just slightly. There it is. Oh, see that game? That game. All four in an eyeballs roll. You like that? As I'm looking at Numchuck, who's like trying not to move his head, but seeing the eyes roll right there. Have you ever been hypnotized before? See? Follow follow the watch. See me? I'm shocked you didn't Wait, go the other direction with that one. Which way? Sir, What's watch that? watch the tip of my of, of my pen. The tip oh the tip, oh is that a uh, the, sobriety the, thing? The, yeah. See, I wouldn't know anything about that. But it sounds like you're speaking from experience, my friend. That's what it sounds like to me. I don't know. All right. Come on by. Westgate Las Vegas. Uh get your tickets at ticketmaster.com or at the Westgate for <laughs> a little hoop central. Don't put that pen down, man. Don't get me going like that. I'm wide awake. I'm revved up, fired up, ready to rock and roll. Speaking of which, rocking and rolling, the UNLV running Rebels, they're rolling right now. And fresh off a victory over Wyoming, we talked to Kevin Kruger yesterday, but I want to get the take from a former Rebel, my guy, Curtis Terry, right now. What is going on, CT? Not much, man. I'm enjoying the, the role that the Rebels are on right now and uh, just excited for this for this home stretch coming up. Now, you got to you know, be honest now. You've been, you've been at this... Uh, this radio gig for, for a while now. You're enjoying it. Do a fantastic job. You know that I got mad love for you there. And you've been a passionate rebel follower ever since your days and graduating, knowing that, uh, hey, you're on the last team that went to the Sweet 16, you know, with the uh, Scarlet and Gray. Uh, how good are you feeling about this team right now? Do you still have some reservations? Or is this maybe the the closest... You feel that this team has been to your group? You know, right now I'm feeling good about this group right now, and I think everybody that's that's been following following them they have to be uh, everybody associated with the program, this coaches, the staff, support staff. Just uh, to, to give these guys credit, they're they're working their butts off and they're playing some really really good basketball right now. Um, and, the, and the most important thing is they're figuring out a way to win. And I think at the end of the day, that's all you can really ask for. And these guys have won. What they won eight of their last nine. Um, they're on a roll. They won what, six in a row at one point, and so they're just playing some good basketball. And it, it's fun to it's fun to see them continue this. Um, and hopefully they can they can make a run and, and finish this thing up over the next uh, week and some change and head to the conference tournament, make some noise, and, and hopefully hopefully I don't get to come join you at the Westgate because we'll be on the road with the Rebels in the NCAA tournament. That's right. <laughs> That'd be nice. That'd be nice, man. All right, so let's go back. I mean, we go back and look at this season. I know there was a, a lot of optimism, even though you're dealing with the transfer portal and it seems that's the way it is you know, right now. And I know Kevin was pretty excited, but we knew it was going to take time for this team to gel. You had to overcome some injuries earlier on. And you go back to that game against Creighton. I mean, first of all, let's go back, Curtis. I mean, embarrassment going back to the first game of the year against Southern where you're on the call for that game. Let's, let's, let's go back to mid-November, end of November, and you're calling that game and you see this team, you know, lose decisively to a team like Southern. What were you thinking then? You know, it's always tough at the beginning of a season, right? I mean, you, you think, I mean, from our standpoint, we think we've seen these guys in practice and preseason workouts. We think they can be a really good team and it'll come together. Uh, but then also on the other end of it, uh, they, they have to come together and play, right? And, and like you just mentioned, I mean, Kevin's had to rebuild his, his, not just his roster, but his staff the last couple of years as well, because guys moving on to, to other opportunities. But he's had to rebuild staff to the transfer portal for three years in a row. And it's not easy to do. But he's done a great job, him and his staff, identifying the right guys to fit their system and, and the high-character kids. Um, and so you think they're going to have a chance, and it just didn't, it didn't go very well. Obviously, uh, from the outside, the optics make it look bad, like this is it's going to fall apart before it even gets going. Um, but I'm, I think that this, that just showed what the type of team they are. They're very resilient. They stuck with it. And then you mentioned Creighton. They go to mid-December, and they beat the brakes off Creighton, who just beat up on the number one team in the country two weeks ago. And so now you're thinking like this team is, it could be something aside from the injuries, 
but here they are competing for a conference championship with, with just three games left to go. Yeah, and like I said, you've seen some uh, some highs and some lows, and obviously that that Creighton game was was outstanding. We saw some other uh, you know big time victories during this run, and then you know you, you got to look at uh, the Air Force game, you know at UNLV, and where Air Force came in and shot the lights out, and you lose by thirty to Air Force, and I know that was a head scratcher for everybody. But you know when I mentioned to Kevin too yesterday, it's like every time that you you worry about this team, like okay, what's going to happen they have responded i mean you have after that air force loss they responded you have the gut-wrenching loss to utah state they responded and then we go back to the last you know home loss which you know was really inexcusable the way they lost to reno right i mean you basically lead wire to wire and then you score one field goal in the final five minutes and then you know you miss you know four free throws down the stretch you say, "Oh my goodness!" And this is this is maybe where the wheels come falling off, right? They come back and they respond, and they have not lost since then. So it's it's really strange. And you know, you know Kevin better than anybody. What I love about him is he stays even keel. I mean, they go on this three game winning streak, won eight of their last nine. He's still the same guy as they were, you know, at the beginning of the year, the off season, or or when they have have to overcome these losses and bounce back. So I think you know credit to him for that, and credit to these players for not getting too high and, and getting too low. Uh, but I'm very curious, like from your standpoint, what have you seen just from the team, their persona, their demeanor during these ebbs and flows? Um, well, I mean, it's, it, it all starts right there. It, it, starts, it starts at the head of the snake, and, and Kevin and Coach Kruger, what he's done is it's, it's, it's nothing sort of remarkable just to be able to keep these guys together. I think that's the biggest thing, and, and for him to be able to keep his guys connected, to keep them in, in tune with what they're doing and, and trying to be successful – because we all know with, with this age group, these guys, very quickly, it could, it could turn south with a couple losses, guys not getting along, especially in the NIL uh, stage that we are in college athletics. And he's done a great job from there, and I think his team just feeds off that. Because when Kevin played, Kevin was very emotional, very fiery on the court. I think now, obviously, on the sidelines, he's got some of that fire in him. Um, but he does it in a controlled manner. He doesn't really lose his cool, and his, his, his team plays like that. Uh, they answer the call anytime something goes wrong or people doubt them. Uh, they step up. They get it. They get the job done. They figure out uh, just how to win. And I think the biggest reason is why, because they have that kind of that hard hat mentality. They come in. They go to the gym. They get their work in. They get out of there. They take care of the responsibilities. But they know the reason that they're here is to win basketball games um, and to become great young men and, and moving on in their life. And and Kevin has done that with this group. But you got to give them credit because they're the ones going in there and putting in the work and they're getting the results. And they're just a very strong, resilient group. And I've said this before, and then there's just a group that seems to really enjoy being around each other, and it's not manufactured, it's not fake. These young men really enjoy being teammates and, and going to battle with each other. Yeah, Curtis Terry joins us talking UNLV, running the Rebels. Rebs uh, get that victory in Wyoming, 75-69. Now won three in a row, eight out of their last nine. Curtis, for you, which player has maybe surprised you or given you a little bit more than what you thought might give you? If you go back to the beginning of the season, who's that player that's really kind of really uh, you, developed for you? You, you know, it, it it kind of it varies depending on what you're on, on what facet or aspect of the game you're looking at. I think Rob Whaley, from where he came from, not getting a lot of minutes early on uh, to get a chance. Now he's been starting. I think he's been outstanding for this team. I think he fits what they needed from kind of that low post, um, that undersized um, kind of power forward position. Uh, Keelan Boone is to me is is the guy that's that's the game changer when he comes in. He's got that scorer's mentality, but over the last, I mean, five, six weeks, he's really started to defend more. He's really started to attack the glass and, and, and to rebound and help his team from that standpoint. Um, and then you, I mean, Brooklyn Hicks, and, and everybody talks about kind of obviously with Deion Thomas and, and what he's with the heralded freshman that stayed home and, and, and all the, the accolades that come from behind him, and he's played very well and not going to take anything from him. But to be the other freshman in that, that recruiting class in Brooklyn Hicks, He's a guy that's just been known to, to play really, really hard, uh, to be super athletic and to have a high motor and to be the, the Washington State basketball player of the year coming out of last year and to not really get an opportunity. But now when Justin Webster went down, he was pushed into that role. He's played some backup point guard. Um, and he's a guy that, that's going to just continue to grow into his role the rest of this year and moving forward in his career. Um, and so I think those guys, the, the new guys really are the ones that kind of shine brightest to me. Because they, no matter what they've been asked to do, they've stepped into that role and they've contributed whatever their coach and their teammates have needed them to do. Um, and I think that's the beauty of this team. It's a real collective. And it reminds me of my senior year 
um, after Kevin, those guys left that next year when we came back and there wasn't a lot of expectations, but we had a group of guys that just wanted to win and play the best we could. Um, and it didn't matter who got the points or who got the stats or who got the player of the game. We just came out there and wanted to win. And you see that in this group because at any given moment, it could be Caleb, it could be Keelan, it could be Dion, um, it could be Luis, it could be Rob, it could be any number of guys. And even Justin Webster last game had a big game for the Rebels, knocking down some shots, attacking the basket. Any given night, any guy on this team can lead this team, and I think that's what makes them really tough to defend and really dangerous moving forward. You know, you mentioned, you know, Thomas staying home and, you know, a prize recruit, and you, you get one of those guys, and that's what we've been waiting for for a long time. Hey, let's keep this local talent home, especially the top-tier talent, because let's face it, I mean, they've, they've been leaving. They've, they've gone on to, you know, bigger programs and thinking, okay, well, UNLV is, is not not the success, you know, that, uh, that I want to, you know, it's not going to be there. Okay. It's going to be somewhere else. And so now we're starting to see the success here and we see a guy like Thomas who decides to stay home. Hey, you're a guy that, you know, there was no such thing as the transfer portal back when you were playing. I'm, I'm curious, what do you think of where the portal is right now? Does it need to be tweaked at all? Give me your thoughts. Oh, man. So I don't, we don't have enough time to dive all the way into that, but we can touch on it. Um, <laughs> and I think that, just, that it, goes, it goes along with it that does. NIL conversation. Right. I think the biggest thing is there's got to be some type of legislature um, or, or some kind of rules or, or some parameters to make sure that it's, it's going to be beneficial and useful for these student-athletes. At the end of the day, it's all about these student-athletes. They create all the opportunities. They're the ones generating all the financial uh, gains and revenues for these universities. Um, and so... I think these kids should be able to have a chance where this is not where I made the wrong decision because we all make the wrong decision the first time out typically or we say we want to rethink it. They should have the chance to go somewhere else. Um, but then I think there has to be some rules on it because if we have guys that are transferring every year or guys that play at three universities in five years without you know, I mean, a hardship or things like that, I think it just it, it dilutes the, the, the basketball or the sport or the activity that is, that is being put out there by these student-athletes. Um, but then I also think it just diminishes the game because it's hard. It's hard to build a program like that when you got so much turnover. Um, now, obviously, when these guys all they all got that extra COVID year, that just added to that transfer because they could transfer and they get a COVID year. So really, you're, you're getting an extra year plus a, a free pass, which is great. So I think once this last year, next year, I think is the last year of that free COVID year. Once that passes, I think we'll get back to some more stability. And then I think that 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 transfer portal won't be as glaring because guys won't have that extra year. Um, but I definitely think they should be able to kind of rethink it because a lot of times the argument is, well, if a coach doesn't have to stay, why should we have to stay? And most of these guys, as much as they love the universities or the towns that they're going to, they're committing to go play for this coach and learn from that coach and learn to become a young man from that coach. And so if that coach decides to make that move, they should be able to as well. So I think the one glaring thing that's, that most people would say is that there's just no legislation or parameters or rules on how this thing has to has to manufacture and move forward with NIL, with transfers. Um, and all that will do, I think, will just bring more stability back to the sport and just back to college athletics as a whole. Because as great as it is, I feel there's a little ebbs and flows right now that probably rocks the ship more than some people like. No, I think you're right. And I know a lot of people will say, well, hey, I mean, how, how does it get to this point? I mean, how much thought process really goes into this when you're, you know, uh, studying the, setting these new standards and guidelines? And then it's like, okay, well, seems like there's some loopholes here or whatever. But, you know, we saw this happen with Keelan Boone. I mean, he was one of those guys that you talked about, you know, what, you know, three schools in five years or whatever. And he had to sit out. And then, you know, we had to wait for a court, you know, uh, ruling the, the night of the Creighton game before, you know, he can play. So, yeah, it's ebbs and flows. It's crazy. And as great as college basketball is, I think you and I are saying the same thing. It could even be better because, yeah. you know, once you, you know, get some solid parameters in. But, you know, right now it's very hard for the fan base to get to know these kids and get to, to know mm -hmm. these products, you know. And I'm looking at, you know, attendance figures, you know, all across you know, the country and where we always, you know, zone in on UNLV and, you know, they've had eight, 9,000 fans the last, you know, couple games. That's great. But there are too many near empty or half empty buildings or more than half empty buildings um, throughout the country and especially in this Mountain West Conference. And I don't know how you feel about it, Curtis, but it just seems like there's a hard time of identifying, you know, the, the fans identifying to the program and to these teams with not only the players changing all the time, but the coaching staffs as well. 
I agree. And I, I think if there's just a disconnect between the fan base and the community and these student athletes to where they just don't get to know them and, and, and they don't have enough time to get to know them and really kind of build those bonds and those connections. Um, when I played, I mean, we were here for four years. I played for four years. I played with guys that were in school for five, uh, six years. Um, and you sometimes get the guys that transfer, but most guys typically would stay for two years before they transfer to kind of see, is it, are they really sure? Because that first year is typically hard for everybody making that transition in. Um, but I think there's just a disconnect of being able to form solid connections and relationships um, and, and just fans being able to, to identify guys they like and their style um, on the team and, and vice versa with those in the community because they're just not there long enough um, and everybody's brand new every time they turn over. And so that's what Kevin has had to deal with with his guys. And so the guys that do make that connection are able to be involved in the community and, and, and connect with the fans. That's great. And I always push that and preach that because that's why me and my, my best friend, Scott Hoffman, a former rebel and a lot of other guys were still in town because of the relationships that we were able to make with the fans. And, and after we played and we became a part of this community and we've been here now 20 plus years. And so at the end of the day, they got to look at it from that standpoint, because this community is going to support you while you're in school. And then when you get out of it, they're going to be the ones that are here to help you find your jobs and really kind of take that step into adulthood. And so I think that's, that's the difference, the difference and the disconnect is they don't have the time to build that foundation but again, that's the landscape of college sports right now. And so, unfortunately, it's impacting those, those attendance numbers. Um, but nonetheless, I can say, like Thomas and Matt, like you mentioned, the last couple of games, eight, 9,000. Um, the vibe is completely different when, the, than when there's not people in there. And that goes for everybody across, across college basketball. Um, and so, hopefully, they can continue to, to support not just the Rebels, but whatever their specific team is and really reinvest in these young student athletes because they are the future um, just in, in the generation. All right, Curtis Terry joins us, former Rebel, does a fantastic job on the radio side, too, as a radio analyst on the UNLV uh, radio network. All right, so 17 and 10 right now, 10 and 5 in conference. We haven't. You know, said those numbers too much, especially those conference numbers. You know, we're usually, you know, hearing about uh, hovering around 500 or so. 10 and 5 looks pretty good. Winnable game, obviously, on Saturday against San Jose State. They're a bottom feeder there in the Mountain West. But I know that no one wants to, you know, especially coaches, right? They don't want to look past the next game. But this is what we do, Curtis. We are going to look past the next (laughs) game because I want to get your take about San Diego State because they're coming here next Tuesday. It'll be the final regular season, you know, home game for the Rebels here. And San Diego State, they had that fantastic run last year, surprised many. They went to the championship game. I think a lot of people thought, okay, it's going to be San Diego State in the Mountain West and then everybody else. And that has not been the case. The Rebels are right there with them. You were there in San Diego going back what a month and a half or so ago when they played that game. Rebels played good for a half and then things, you know, kind of fell apart in the other half. Talk about what you expect to see on Tuesday night and give us that matchup. Could this be a great spot for the Rebels to pull off this upset at home on Tuesday? Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll just do my, my just responsibility and say they got to focus on get this game on Saturday first. They we know knock that. this one out. We know it. Coach Tim Miles is going to he's going to bring a tough group in here. Uh, but with that said, it's going to be a huge game on Tuesday. I mean, like you mentioned, I couldn't tell you the last time the Rebels have been in this spot with uh, I mean, with three games to go, um, with just a game out of first place, and you got so many teams bunched up right there with a chance to to win the regular season conference championship. Um, and you've got your rival coming to town as big as Nevada is, and the whole Vegas and Reno. UNR, UNLV battle and rivalry is, let's be real, in sports and especially in basketball, UNLV, San Diego State is the rivalry. Um, and so you've got San Diego State coming to town and Coach Dutcher is going to bring his team down here. And, and again, they're picked to win the conference every year, rightfully so. They've done great jobs building that program. Back to Coach Steve Fisher. Um, but this is a big game for the Rebels to kind of say, we're, we're, we're legit, we're serious. And then to be able to try to get that win and, and knock them off on senior night, and hopefully it's, it's, a, it's a damn near sold out Thomas and Mack, and I think it'll probably be a whiteout. Historically, that's what they've done on senior night. If you can get everybody in there um, and try to take off the, or take down uh, the defending conference tournament champion and, and the reigning just big dog in the Mountain West, because if you can get that win, I think this can do a lot just for your confidence, for the psyche of the program, for the fans, because then you turn in and, and you go into Torino that Saturday. On the, and I think it's the last, it's the last conference game, mm-hmm. not just of the day, but I think it's the last men's conference game of the season. Um, before conference tournaments start, and so that just adds even more to it in terms of where you're going to finish up proceeding. But the Rebels got a they got a big eight nine days ahead of them right now. Um, but I think it's there's a lot still out there for the grab and, and to maintain and, and and to attain. And I think this group is really hungry, and that's what makes it more fun to be a part of. And so I just hope everybody in the community comes out and supports these guys because they definitely deserve it. 
Um, and, I, and I think we're, we're going to be in for a surprise of how the thing's going to finish. You got it. All right. Uh, you know, there are pundits out there that are saying, hey, Mount West is going to get at least, you know, four teams in again, maybe five. We've heard some people say six. Um, even though we have not seen that really translate into uh, victories in the NCAA tournament outside of uh, San Diego State last year, as we know. But how wide open do you think this conference tournament is? And give me the team that you feel like, hmm, they may not be at the top. Maybe they are. Maybe they're in the middle. But who's that team for you that you really got to watch out for? Uh, you know, it's tough because I, I would say – I would say that the teams I think that got the best chance to take it are Utah State, Boise, uh, UNLV, San Diego State, and Nevada. I think those top, those five teams right now that are at the top, I think they've got the best chance to go out there and, and to, if they get that the first round by to win three three in a row, three in three days, and they get the automatic bid. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised at any of those teams d- doing so, but I think that the two, there's two teams that you got to watch, and it's the teams that are right below that. It's New Mexico. Uh, just because how guard heavy that they are with their three guards and Mashburn House and Dent, they can in any given night they all can lead the show. But then I don't think you can bet against Isaiah Stevens right now. And I think he's probably the best all around guard in in the league. Um, and he finds a way to win, and he's been there long enough to where he's a winner, and he wants to lead his team and, and go out the right way. And so um, I could see those two teams have they've struggled the last week or so. Um, I could see them trying to turn things around and get hot here down the stretch because everybody know everybody knows it's about getting hot at the right time. And uh, as hot as the Rebels have been, hopefully they can continue that thing moving forward and, and finish this thing up strong. You got it, brother. Hey, man, great stuff as always. Uh, great stuff on the radio with the uh, with the analysis. Appreciate you as always. We'll look forward to seeing you on Saturday and then uh, next Tuesday as well as uh, we're looking forward to the Rebels closing things out here in grand fashion. And, of course, the Mountain West Conference Tournament just right around the corner. Sounds good, TC. We'll see you soon. You got it, brother. Take care. There he is, Curtis Terry, uh, one of my favorite guys. Um, comes on the show quite a bit. Love having him on. Uh, always a fun time. And then the analysis and the expertise and a great player himself back in that day. Part of that Terry family. All right, those sharpshooters, the Terrys. Kurt is definitely one of them for his time back at UNLV. All right, baby. Is it food time yet? Got to get some fries with that shake. That's a, oh, man, the fries I had today. Cecilia! Cecilia made up the French fries. Did you see the plate of fries I had today? Did you see that, it? That was like an order and a half it, to two orders. Yeah, I, easily. Yeah. I'm getting the love, brother. I'm getting the love. My poppy seed bun, the dog with the snap, the fries. Time for some pizza, too. All right? It's all time for that. We continue on. All right, we keep up some UNLV theme today. Lindy Rock will join us next hour. We'll talk Lady Rebels. We talk about the men playing well. Come on. Those women tearing it up. 25 and 2. All right. 14 and 1 in conference. So we'll 15 and 1 in conference now. So we'll talk about that and a whole lot more coming your way. Plus, we got some NFL news to hit on. And you know what else we got? Speaking of UNLV, we got the football schedule released today. I got some thoughts on that as well, too, as we continue on Thursday afternoon. Yeah.